A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 274 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, our episodes continue to broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher and even Spotify, and also right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herlman. And with me, like the Sith Lords of old, only two there are, my counterpart, your doctor of timelines and a Wookiee-sized Star Wars fan in his own right, our own Dr. Jim Lehane. And you forgot Pete the pork. <laughs> I got a shoulder pork from Disney. Nice. Nice. Oh, 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 okay. We're porking it up. I got pog. I got oh, you pog have a shoulder. Pork. You have a shoulder pork too. I got a shoulder pork too. <laughs> yeah, I had to get one when I did it. I was like, that one's too cool. Although I had a hell of a time keeping him on the shoulder. I wanted the ratatouille mouse and I literally missed the last one. Like a guy literally came up and grabbed it right as I'm like three feet from picking it up. And that was the last one in the park. I was like, oh, they had a, yeah, I, ju I just got back from Disney World uh, a couple days ago and they had a, they had a ton of the, the ratatouille mice. Oh, ho, 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 Remis. Ho. nice, nice. Well, Jim, you know what today is, right? Um, I'm going to go with podcast day, Star Wars podcast day. Yeah, if you're listening to this episode, uh, it is released on Star Wars Podcast Day. That might not be the day we recorded it, but that's the day you're listening to it, or at least that was our intent when we recorded this episode. So <laughs> it all depends on my ability to edit. Um, since I haven't edited <laughs> the last episode at this point in time, hopefully you'll have listened to that one before this one. Right, some podcasting time traveling. You know, well, thank you for joining us on this Star Wars Podcast Day 2024, the unofficial celebration of Star Wars fan auto audio community uh, every February 7th in honor of the first airing of Jedi Talk, with which launched the Star Wars Podcast movement. The Star Wars Podcast Day event brings together over 100 shows sharing the love of Star Wars fan audio and other Star Wars fans, uh, as well as the wider podcast listening audience. Hey, to uh, enjoy, just type in Star Wars or hashtag Star Wars Podcast Day or hashtag SWPD 2024 to see what the fandom is up to this year. Now we'd like to take this uh, moment to appreciate the hours of effort it takes from all the fans out there who help create this part of our fandom. For those who like to talk, we salute you. I can always talk. <laughs> Speaking of talking... Here at 
Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars and so do we. This episode, we explore Drew Carpitian's Darth Bane Rule of Two. Now, before we get too deep into spoiler territory, we'll give you our quick spoiler-free rundown. Just be sure to jump off at Tarkin's Arrogance. So you know how it is. We're going to hit, is it any good? Was it accessible? Could it be adopted into canon as this is a Legends uh, content? Jim, let's hit this sucker running, shall we? Um, I'm just looking at the hardcover uh, edition that I have that was first released. And the Darth Bane um, looks like he's a member of the Insane Clown Posse. I, I was going to say he's got that kind of look or uh, Rammstein. Do, do host. <laughs> like it's, I'm like, what? Like Bane is supposed to be this massive um, person, especially when he has his uh, um, orbalisks on him. Um, and this is not <laughs> the person that's on the cover of this book. <laughs> right. And, and Bane's appearance has always been one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what does he look like? You know, you, you talk about the orbalisks, you know, this book is where we discover how he gets those. They gave him a very distinct legends look that was almost used for the clone wars when they brought in, uh, Darth Bane in, in the series, but they went with a different model. Um, a model type that was more armor, glowing eyes, and so forth. But yeah, like like what Bane looks like is always an ever-evolving aspect of the character, I've noticed, as we go along. Yeah, so the the Rule of Two, uh, second book in the trilogy, came out uh, about a year after the first book uh, in December 26th of 2007. Takes place, uh, the first part of, I'd say the first third of the book or so, overlaps still with mm -hmm. the comic series Jedi versus Sith. Um, and then once we hit the end of that comic series, the book jumps forward 10 years. Uh, and we are at now where the, the comic series is a thousand years BBY. We're now at 990 uh, BBY where the, the, the big chunk of this book takes place. And it does uh, cover... Um, oh, I, I gotta, I gotta look it up. It's, um, it does cover a short story that was in the, Oh, Bane of the Sith, Bane of the Sith. Yeah. in the gamer magazine, I believe. Yes. Yes. I believe yeah, you but I was going to read that before six. I was going to read that before we recorded. I didn't. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't tell you how much of a difference there is between there, but, uh, um, I'm sure the internet will tell me. <laughs> right. Right. I, I did like how they overlapped the uh, Darovit part there on Rusan at the beginning. Um, I thought it was kind of coincidental that at chapter 10, we do the 10 year jump. I'm like, okay, that, that worked out. Um, but I remember when we were discussing on the last episode about how, you know, his Tom Cat's character was kind of like left out. And I feel like between these two books, they really covered Jedi versus Sith very well. Um, I, and I liked how there were aspects of what was going on politically in the background, uh, the Rusan formations and stuff, the, uh, the dis, uh, disempowering, I guess it would be of the army of light. They were, you know, taking and dis disbanding the army in general. They're like, we don't need you anymore. You know, the set threat's gone. Um, what that looked like, how the Jedi were responding to that new evolution of what their role in the Republic was going to look like. 
Um, and, and we even had a new chancellor in this chancellor Valorum, who was one of the first non-force users in like a couple thousand years. So like there were a lot of these really cool little aspects of what was going on in the background of that era that were all at play that I just found fascinating. And they were all just like dovetailed in there just so slick that it was like all this little tidbits of information that you were just picking up in like little description parts. Yeah. I, um, I enjoyed this. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the book. I thought, I thought the book moved, moved very quickly. It's a short book. Um, the audiobook's only 10 hours and it's, um, it's, it's pretty much once you get the, the, the first third out of the way, um, it does, rehash a lot of the Jedi versus Sith comic which mm -hmm. we had talked about we got none of in uh, the first book and so we get a lot of what we missed in that book in this book right a lot of the descriptions that I was complaining about last episode like uh, Farfalla's ship you know we finally get the description of it looking like a sail barge and stuff I was like oh okay mm -hmm. Yeah, we get a lot of the cousins aspect and their relationship and and stuff and how Xana um supposedly died uh <laughs> or they thought she died and every like everything that we get from uh, that comic series. So if you read the comic series, a lot of it is kind of rehashed here but more rehashed mm. but brought into the, this story. Right. I One of the things that really stood out to me was the lightsaber combat scenes. They reminded me a lot of the uh, the dogfight scenes from the X-Wing series. Um, the, the way they just really draw you in with the way they're described and stuff. Drew does the same thing when he's describing the lightsaber combat because he's talking about the different forms and he, and he gives some description of what the forms represent and how they're used. And I really love the way he played with that. And we also got to see some unique lightsabers and colors. Um, for Fala's lightsaber, for example, was gold. There was a uh, a human later named Saros that had a a massive. It was referred to as a massive, double bladed lightsaber that was almost uh, ten feet long. It was three meters in length, and he was just like a Wookiee sized human. Um, but I, I found that description of his lightsaber was really interesting, especially when, you know, you got the description from Farfalla's point of view, or maybe it was, it was Johan's point of view. I, I don't really remember which one that was, but you also got it from Zana's point of view. And she's just like, this guy's huge. Like, oh. And and I found that, you know, fitting to the title rule of two, the second half of this book was definitely Zahana's story. Like she ran with the story. By the time we got to the very end of it, it was every bit just as much her story. It was almost like, you know, Batman and Robin coming together, but you're getting to watch Robin become Nightwing. <laughs> well, Bane almost becomes inconsequential um, <laughs> right? for a good chunk of this book. Uh, not even talking about the parts um, where he is incapacitated. Like, he's just, he's so focused on his own thing. We're following Xana through almost the entirety of the book. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. It is it is kind of a, a, a rule of two where this book is her book, almost. Right. And, and um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, well, there was a moment where at the end where she's talking about like, you know, he's he's lying there incapacitated like you were talking about. And she's like, there's so many plans that he has been setting in motion. And and at this point, we're like in the last like two or three chapters of the book. Right. And this is the first time we're finding out like, you know, Bane had these different plots 
in motion that would, you know, reap rewards tens to hundreds of years down the road. And if he dies, like everything falls apart because she doesn't even know at this point what all those plans are because she's still, she's been so focused on her relationship to the force and the dark side that she's just now at the point where she could really start to learn because she's finally mastered herself and who she is. But now she's like, I can't lose him because like I'm supposed to be the next step and there's still so much he has to offer. And it was like, wow, like right there at the very end, you find out about all this stuff he's doing. It was just like, Holy crap. Like I wish they kind of would have told me a little bit more of that earlier. Cause yeah, it did feel like he was off doing God knows what he was so focused on making a holocron, which I thought was just awesome. The whole aspect of the holocron technology and how they were made being lost and how he, through his discoveries of other holocrons, found the clues he needed and the parts he needed and how to utilize those parts in a specific way to, to fix the problem that he was having with creating it. I, I just, that was so cool for me. I, I come away thinking about Bane in a new light this time around. And it, it, it was really like, He's the Indiana Jones of the Sith. Like, you know, he goes to all these places where all these other people have looted and stuff. And yet he manages to find the secret passages that have like, you know, the major tut tomb in the background. Like, damn, man. Like, I, I had so much fun in that aspect of the story alone. Yeah, they he is a, a walking conundrum in in um in canon, or I guess legends canon, because right. they make him out to be this hulking like force of nature of like the dark side, but he's also like an intellectual, like looking at the, how do I make the Sith back to their purest form? And like, like he's like this, a Sith scholar almost uh, trying to, to bring things back. It is, you kind of look at him and you go, I, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't put these two parts together of your psyche. You are very two different people. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I had an epiphany because I kept thinking like, you know, he went to all this trouble to write down everything from Revan's holocron and then, and then destroyed the holocron. And now he's going to go and make his own holocron to save all that information. But then I was like, oh wait, no, he did that because Revan's holocron was was about to break. It booby trapped itself, I think. I think it was like a mission impossible thing. It was once it <laughs> once it uh once it relayed all its information, it died. That's why he wrote down the information. Yeah, which you know makes his holocron so much more valuable. You know, like um, Disney. I I need to get a Doc Onderon exclusive Darth Bane holocron like. That would be awesome because you could have all these different uh, avatars. And and speaking of avatars, um, when he was talking to the avatar of what was it the second holocron he found? Well, uh, the the avatar was a Shido, which was a shapeshifter. I loved the way that it was always a different avatar, but it made sense. Like I, I just I I dig holocrons. Like since the first time i read uh uh dark empire and we had that that first reference with the holocron and that like i've i've always wanted to know more about them and the fact that it became such a central part to this story was awesome for me yeah belia belia darzu yeah her yeah i i, I always thought the the shido characters were kind of cool brings back the uh, galaxy of fear uncle 
that was in that series to me. <laughs> she wasn't. No, she she was the same species as Attack of the Clones. Um, the the uh, the the what's it called? She's the. I'll have to look her up. Um, Did we see one in Attack of the Clones? Yes, the 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 assassin at the beginning. Um, oh, is no, that's a Claudite. They're they're similar species but different. Now it makes me wonder if, because I know in the Clone Wars we had those two Jedi sisters that had head trails that remind me of the Shido, because the Shido kind of like had this plant like look to them to a degree, if I recall correctly. But the assassin you're thinking of uh, was a Claudite, Zam Wesel. Yes, her. Yeah. Female. But I, okay. I like I said, yeah, I when it comes right. to holocrons and and the way that the uh, the holocron keepers were introduced. I mean, going back to dark empire, they were always a little off because like the holocron creep keeper from that holocron wasn't exactly the person it was modeled off of. Like the name was a little different and stuff like that. So like, like any little tidbit you could gleam from anything from this era was always cool. But then you get this book and it's like, it lays it all out. I mean, when he has that conversation with that, uh, holocron keeper, like she talks about the touchstone or the capstone. It was a capstone. Yeah. Uh, and, and he had thought that the capstone's purpose was for channeling the runes and the dark side and, and, and focusing it and it turned out not well, like, yeah, that was part of it, but it had a very critical role and he had to take like some personality matrix and fuse it to that while he was doing something that was going to take 20 hours. And like, he's getting the instructions and she's like, yeah, this is going to take 20 hours. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Like I can't get this matrix to hold wide. And she's like, well, you got to put it in the capstone and then do this. And she gives him this whole right, like, like right of commerce or something like that. And gives him this, this whole Sith alchemy type spell that allows him to do it. And it's like the missing step, the missing link he needs in his knowledge and the actual fruit of the labor that he's trying to do. So like, I'm excited for where we go from here, just in the aspect of what is he going to do with that holocron? What kind of knowledge is he going to put in there? I mean, he's, he's already kind of taking stuff that he can't work with, like the alchemy and the sorcery things that are more his apprentices natural gift and giving it to her. So like, I, I love that aspect of the Sith relationship with the rule of two of, you know, you're culminating the person that's going to kill you and replace you and how that works. Like, like it even plays up in the story. Like when the obelisks become something that Zana needs him to get off, she's like, how can I make him think this is his idea to pull these off so I could kill him later? Yeah. <laughs> it's this book's really interesting because it ties in with the, what we know of the PT at this time, because this is comes out after the entire prequel trilogy is done. Right. And, like you could tell Bane's machinations are what continue through Palpatine because the way they, they don't really go into much, but they kind of do a little and it's right. like, Oh, this Palpatine's machinations are just the end game of Bane's machinations. And so, but like Palpatine thinking like his rule of two Palpatine's very selfish, like, Palpatine is uh, Palpatine's not going to be giving up power to any apprentice anytime soon. Right. Whereas Bane is like a hundred percent. I'm here 
to pass on my knowledge. When my time is done, Xana will take over. And like even at the end of the book, he's like, "Okay, my time's done. You you do you do you do the thing. You know the thing. We, ta- <laughs> right? we talked about the thing. You gotta <laughs> do it." That was a great scene, and I love the way you put it. <laughs> do the thing, because yeah, like like once she gives him the the final tidbit in the epilogue, he's like, "Well, I wish I would have known that. I wouldn't have begged you to off me." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so before we get uh, into any more <laughs> too spoiler many more territory spoilers. <laughs> here, uh, let's let's hit up our fun points. You know, was it any good? Was it accessible? And could it be adopted into canon? We'll come back around with should it be adopted uh, once we get into the spoilers. For me, was it any good? I'm going to say absolutely. It was a real fun ride. Uh, you know, Zana gets to see her own by the end of the book, and she came into the last book at such a, a last minute that to see her character kind of get to shine and see what Bane, you know, why he is focused on her and how important she is to the rule of two. I think it makes it a great story. Um, was it accessible? I, I think it gives you just what you need and, and a little bit more in some facts. Uh, I mean, you get to, to see some of the Jedi versus Sith book. Um, you get to pick up a little bit on what we had happen in the last story. We have characters that have relationships to characters from that last story who have reason to be seeking out the Sith. Uh, I just, I love the way it all plays out. So yeah, for me, like very accessible. I'll, I'll pass back to you, Jim, before we do the, uh, could it be adopted? Uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it too. I think it's a very quick read. I'm actually starting to think these, the first two, and I'm assuming the third one are all so quick that it's almost one book. Like this one doesn't feel like a full book. It feels part like two part two of a trilogy, like part two of a three part series, and. It's great in and of itself, but it's it definitely it needs its end caps. Um, but I I greatly enjoyed it. I I feel like Xana had the almost the same problems at least at the very beginning that I had with uh, um, Car- uh, Drew Carpishian's uh, description of Gitney, where it's like oh she's a mm-hmm. very um, good looking woman and like go and like. He got over it real quick, but he definitely like started there. And I'm like, we're not doing this again, are we? Uh, <laughs> like, eventually, she did become a character in and of herself. And so I'm like, I'm glad we kind of leapt that hurdle quicker than uh, Gitney, um, where he kind of stayed there the entire time. Right. She fell into the stereotypical uh, pole. Yeah, yeah. But here, like Zen, I felt like was a complete character well-rounded character and like she did have her um her her different facets of her of her um personality that like really kind of like shined through especially since we said as we said before this is her book almost like right bane's kind of doing his own thing and we don't get a lot of what he's doing He's, he's he's working on his his little projects but we're following xana's part in his uh in his machinations. So yeah, like I, I, I greatly enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, what were our other questions to do? do was it accessible? Yeah. Were you, uh, how did you think it was accessible? Uh, without the f- first book, 
like that's a weird thing because Xana wasn't in the first book. She was in right. like she was in the comic series. I think if you read the comic series, then read this book. Like this book follows perfectly after the comic series, or right. it follows perfectly after the book. Like you don't need um, to have read the book. You could have just read the comic series, and it, it would like fit in very well. Yeah, I, I feel like, especially with this one, it gives enough of the details about the cousins and everything. Because, like you said, yeah, the first book, they were basically in the in the epilogue. Like, they, I mean, Darovitz's character had so much more of a role, which I didn't realize until the end of this book, how his part of the first book story kind of, like, bites him in the butt. But we never really put a big focus on that. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, could it be adopted into canon? I, I say absolutely it could. Just like I said with the last one, I think you don't have to tool much, if anything at all. Personally, I would maybe put it further back in the timeline just to give them the, uh, what do they call it? The creative freedom. Yeah. <laughs> to do what they want to later. Uh, that's about it for me that I, I think that they could do with it is just move it back a little. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I think uh, I think it could just get dropped in exactly as it is. I don't. I I wouldn't even move it. I would just drop it in where it is. We've analyzed their attack, sir, and there are spoilers. Should I have your ship standing by? Evacuate in our moment of triumph? I think you overestimate their chances. Consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. All right, Jim, let's get into it. Lay on the spoilers thick. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the first third of the book, um, we are looking at kind of, oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, <laughs> I've, I literally listened to this book over like four days. Um, and, yeah, it's it's mostly just Bane kind of towing Xana along. And this is where we get his um Orbalisk's armor, or mm -hmm. I still, I think Vondum Crab armor is still what comes <laughs> into my mind. Despite you correcting me in the book, correcting me, I still think Vondum Crab armor. Right. But what I think is really interesting is, um, so the the short story, uh, Bane of the Sith, was written before any of these books came out, and so it mm. was before he had an apprentice, but it was him getting his crab armor. Right. Not crab armor, right. or ballistic armor. I guess they're yeah. almost like crabs anyway. Um, right. And so if you noticed, Xana was not with him. Mm -hmm. And so that was to match the short story because she was not there. So she had to have her own trajectory separate from his to get her out of his story. That, that worked well, too. Um, I I liked how the first part of the story we get him being haunted by the dark side or haunted his, by his possible conscience. spirits. I wonder if right. it's just his, his conscience. Well, it's, it's, that's where I, I have a hard time. I wanted to hash this over with you because like, okay, so for the listeners, there are two spirits that he's seeing majority of the time. One of them is Lord Khan and the other is Lord Chorus. Uh, and, and Cordis, he killed when uh, Cordis came after him to bring him back to Rusan. So he died outside the thought bomb, whereas Khan was pulled into the thought bomb. When these two spirits 
are around Bane. Only Corda speaks to him and interacts with him. Khan is kind of like the creepy supernatural spirit in the back of your eyes. Like he doesn't really start to see him until much later, but at first he's like in the peripheral vision kind of stuff. He's like there, but not there. He's looking at him accusingly, but he never says anything. So I got the sense, like maybe they were Sith spirits, but for some reason Khan's personality was trapped in the thought bomb. But, there was also the feeling of this could just be Bane's inner psyche projecting. Um, and the way he dispels them eventually, once he gets the, uh, the, the vote, now I'm doing it, the vote of crab armor, the uh, orbalisk armor later, uh, he uses a burst of the dark side that just wipes them out. Like they're just immediately nullified. Um, but it, it did the, the way that each of those were presented and the way they interacted with him definitely left me feeling like they might have been leftover corporealness of their Sith spirits to a degree. But it, it's so hard to say. Drew didn't really put a lot of detail into what Bane thought they were outside of just his psyche. Yeah, they're also carryovers from the short story. And so it it feels like that's kind of that's what it feels like it feels like they were kind of carryovers from a, a previous story because they're not really fleshed out he's like i see khan kind of as a haze in the out of the corner of my eye cordis is talking to me so maybe he's a real force ghost but you're right khan shouldn't be a force ghost by like he should still be trapped like it isn't aren't there literally their um their spirits trapped in the the thought bomb like right and that was another thing i started to think about too it was like okay like they're they're talking about how the souls are tortured and this stuff and i'm like are they though like i mean it kind of sounds like they got their own little self-contained little heaven you know they're all in there together like why do they all have to suffer because there's sith lords in there like why can't they make it a pleasant place (laughs) why can't we all just get along right (laughs) (laughs) i i did like though that they used them going back to that, uh, the thought bomb, the egg shape that it was. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we watched Tomcat Darovit lose his hand, uh, when rain, you know, explodes it, that all going back with the comic. I thought that was great. Um, I, I really liked going back to Frieden Nod's tomb. That's where he gets the obelisk, uh, armor. That's when they fall on him. He goes there and finds Frieden Nod's holocron. This is where I was like, oh man. Bane is totally Indiana Jones and Sith. He's finding all these lost relics, this lore. You know, he goes to these places that have been pillaged already, and yet he knows to like, hey, this wall over here looks like it's it's like the old Zelda game. Like that one looks like I should put a bomb right there. <laughs> 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 and and it's almost like you know he's so powerful that only someone that powerful could pull this out. They need just the right amount of rage and the dark side to be able to access. Which that's that comes later. At this point, it was literally a trap, which had me wondering. Like you know, it was it was totally like the the Indiana Jones with the uh, gold mask. You know, because he comes in, he can see it, he knows something's not right, <laughs> and it plays out horribly for him. And yet, the symbiotic relationship between him and the Orbalix, I mean, they made him like Wolverine. I thought that was a, a really cool aspect of how the the symbiotic nature plays up and we see a great moment of that towards the end of the book when uh farfalla sees a a chink in the armor so to speak and stabs bane in the wrist that's holding his lightsaber and hits the flesh and bane's hand lets go of it 
And then he literally calls on the force, brings the lightsaber blade back to that same hand. And in the time it took to call the blade back, his hand and all the tendons were healed. And it was like, damn, like, I mean, you know, they talk about how it does all this for him, but when you watch it play out, you're just like, dude, Zana had to really do some psychological warfare to get him to decide that I need to get these off because there were a lot of benefits to that armor. Yeah. I, I liked how going back to the freedom Nad thing, I liked how much this story pulls on the tales of the Jedi stories, right. because not only do we have Frida Nad's tomb, we have her going to Onderon. Um, we like have the the Beast Riders down in Onderon. We have the Ducks and Moon from there, but we also have Ambria, and they right. talk about the beasts. So the beasts, um, Ambria is the planet that. Um, oh, but, Triceratops. Yeah, tr Triceratops guy or whatever he was. Um, yeah, Nami Sunrider taught with uh, Master Thawne there. Yeah, they locked the, the dark side beast inside the lake. That was mentioned. Literally, like they said, that like these things are locked into the lake through the dark side. It was mentioned in the book. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's so cool. Like, clearly... Um, they went back to these tales of the Jedi stories and we're like, let's pull everything we can out of here. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I found it really interesting, especially us like going through those directly into these books. It felt like right. such a natural progression. And I loved hearing the, the, hisses, uh, how that was pronounced. I wasn't a fan of Caleb. I was like, wait, that he's not that that's, I had to go to my wife. I'm like, how do you spell Caleb? And she spells it for me. I'm like, okay, well then, it's not what they're calling him. He's Kaleeb. And I'm like, Oh, Kaleeb, yeah. Oh, oh man. Because I was listening to this while I was reading. Oh, and yeah. Every I time didn't I got to that, it was just, I was like, Oh, my God. It was so hard for me to process that because I would see it. And, and so, like, I'd hear the audio say Kaleeb and I'd go, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, you're, I didn't even, you're right. I didn't even know how. They spelled. Oh, you're right. It is Caleb. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, here we go again, Savage Press. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, like I, I know I screw up a lot of names, but I mean, come on, th this is why. <laughs> you're right. That is Caleb. That <laughs> I I just know what they pronounced in the book. Um, yeah, yeah, that's Caleb. That Caleb. <laughs> I'd have a K in there. Right. I, I was a little E's. sad about the 10 year jump when we finally get to that point and we skip forward. Cause there, there were a lot of things that like, I wish we would have known about, but at the same time, like now uh, in retrospect, I, I kind of wish that they would have told some short stories, some more, you know, like tales of the set with Zana and, and, you know, Bane setting things up for the later Sith Lords, you know, like watch, find out that like, maybe like they set up, uh, you know, like not necessarily Crimson Dawn because I think Crimson Dawn was mal doing that. But I mean, I would love to see some things like that where like some of the big corporations and stuff were actually made by the Sith for the Sith. <laughs> no, you're right. It's such a like ripe time period that we didn't really get anything in. Right. I liked how we did talk about um, in our last uh, episode, how we didn't know what was going to happen with this next book. And we're like, well, maybe they'll go more into it. And they did. They really, they did really did go into like more of um, Darvit. And like, I was 
I was actually really surprised how much he played a role in this book. And, and the way that his plot was integral to so much that I did not see coming. And I, I mean, keep in mind, this is the second time I've read this. And I, when I got to the last, I think it was the fourth chapter from the end was, was like, how in the hell is this going to end? And then when it finally ended, I, I played the audiobook for the last two chapters to my wife all over again, just like, this is so brilliant. And I'm explaining to her, you know, how, how Darvid as Tomcat was a Jedi and then he turned to the Sith. So he himself at one point was a Sith fought in these Rusan wars. And so like, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't look good for him to be where he is at the very end of the book. Yeah. And <laughs> the whole time it's like it, the way it all plays out, it looks like he was, he was crying wolf. And the whole time it looks like he was the wolf. And yet that wasn't the case at all. And when, we get to the point at the very end where Bane is like, you know, incapacitated, as you say, and like the deal that Zana makes, I'm just like, how are they going to keep this secret? And, and, and that's, I started thinking like, okay, when I read this last, how did, and I was getting some of the next book mixed up with what was going on in this. And then as I was reading this, I was like, okay, no, that was definitely the other book. Okay. All right. Cause I, I just, like I told my wife, I'm like, the one main thing is like, every time someone finds out that they exist, they have to make sure that that person dies or gets severely discredited. And they have a moment of that at the beginning where on Rusan, they let somebody live. And she's like, why didn't you kill him? And he's like, well, cause the rumors will be easier to dispel because why would that person be able to stand against the Sith Lord? No one's going to believe that person. And like, and it works. And and the way that that plays out in the background is just one of those things. Like it's a Timothy Zahn with Thrawn moment. It's like, you know, he's going to tell you how it's going to play out. And then it's going to play out exactly like he said. Yeah, that's it. It was one of those, like, if you keep having people know about the Sith, you're going to have problems. <laughs> like <laughs> trying to explain that nobody knows about the Sith. <laughs> right. I, and I loved how you know you were talking about Zana as a character and and how uh with uh Githany, you know we had that issue of her being uh, hypersexualized to a degree <laughs> not even to a degree just fully just, with yeah, this one just... we see Zana play different roles and each time she takes a little bit about herself adds it to it but by the time it's over she's always happy to shed herself of that role and that persona and get back to what she sees as her truth and there's even a moment where she's talking to tomcat at the very end of the book where she's talking about this is who i am and and this is my truth you know and, and she's wearing the clothes and she washes all the black out of her hair and stuff but like it's never said, but reading it this time around, I kept thinking about the fact that, you know, he went from the Jedi to the Sith side to being just a man, to being separate from all of them, and then watching and, and the, the elation of finding out that his cousin's alive, and then the despair that comes with finding out that she's on the side of the dark side. She blows up his hand. Rationally, he thinks back on, well, she probably did it to save me, which is exactly what she did. Yep. but. The fact that when he has that little bit of a conversation at the very end and she's like, she has a little bit of worry, like, cause he's like, you're a good person. And she's just like, you know, that's trivial. Like, you know, it's not about being good or bad. It's about using power. And yet at the end, she's like, what if he's right? Like, <laughs> like, oh man, I love the way Drew just got into her head and would, would use her playing different characters in her conversations to inform the reader. Yeah. That's it. She, 
like I said, her role in the book is pretty much the entire entirety of the book. Like she, her mental awareness, like we don't really find out much about what Bane's doing except through her point of view. Right. Right. Like Bane's Bane's literally on the second half of the book, you know, he goes to, he finds out what he needs to, to go to Tython. Uh, he's able to find, yeah, through her. And he finds the holocron that he needs to give him the information eventually for him to be able to build the holocron. And I mean, I, I love the way the Tython scene plays out. Cause like she goes to the temple uh, Tomcat's already there because he's like kind of ratting her out. And, and Johan, who was uh general Haas Padawan is like hot on the trail of, you know, there's gotta be a Sith Lord still around. I got to find him. And the way that, you know, he's at the temple and then he runs into rain and then just disappears. Yo, uh, you know, Johan's is like, no, for follow, like they're, they're right here. Like just, That's just a it. second ago. Yeah, like, that's a, oh, like you saw it you saw it coming too you're like like all of a sudden like <clears throat> Xana's at the Jedi temple and then he's talking to Tomcat and you're like oh I see where this is going <laughs> they're gonna get out they're gonna get the whole gang back together <laughs> right and and Zana does a good job getting him out of there because like you know she knows if she kills him it would be obvious that you know maybe he's onto something and yet she left the data card behind, which was the information she was looking up on the obelisk, which tells them, you know, Tython. Um, she wasn't supposed to go to Tython, which I thought was interesting, but she goes there because she knows that's where Bane's going to be. So she like direct books it there. The way that scene played out between that scene and the very last lightsaber scene at the very end. Uh, man, I just, I, I love the way that they played, but the way that the battle between Farfalla uh, and the way the battle meditation was used by the Athorian in that battle, I, I thought it was brilliant because there was moments where they take little bits of the dialogue and those dialogue are anchor points of point of view where, you know, like we need reinforcements. And then you go to another person's point of view while he's fighting Zana. And then you hear, we need reinforcements. And he turns, and then yeah. you go to another person's point of view. We need reinforcements. Like, I love the way that that all played out. And the way that Drew built up the relationship between each of the different Jedi, um, we had the Inchadi uh, weapons master. We had uh, Saru, who has that human that was really big. Um, we had the Athorian who didn't carry a weapon, which I, I thought made a brilliant twist. I um, also Johan... I laughed at that, that he refused to carry a lightsaber. And here we harped on the fact they would not let Nomi Sunrider not carry a lightsaber <laughs> and, and her gift was the same gift no you're you're 100 spot on on the hypocrisy of the jedi order right there but yeah and, and then you know he comes and so he's like he's the the weak link like i mean he's doing them all the greatest service by boosting them up with this force power but i love the scene where bane's going to kill him and yon realizes you know oh he's he's doomed and so he force blasts at Bane, but it's not aimed at Bane. It's aimed at the Athorian and knocks him over. But dude, that's when everything shifted. In that moment when the battle meditation broke and Saru looked over to see what happened and then looked back, that was all it took, man. And, and I wish we would have gotten more of what Zana learned in this side because her natural ability, her Bane, is alchemy and sorcery. 
And so in that split second, she did a quick like hand gesture, kind of like night sister ritualistic thing and made that fool see something so horrible that she was able to just casually walk up and ignite her lightsaber and just cut him across the chest. Short work of him turns oh. around. Oh my God, man. That scene was like insane. Well, I liked how, so he is supposed to be this awesome weapons like monster and she's barely holding her own against both him and um johan yeah and yeah. like johan's really the only reason that she's able to hold her own because he's holding him back but as soon as the authorian goes down and um she realizes like like he's not actually that good like because he, he's like all confused and stuff he's like oh i lost my 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 extra power it's like you're not actually that good that means that that's how like extra good that she was is that she was keeping up with him with his extra force boost right and i i like how we also get the other side of that from johan's point of view when he goes to help out farfalla oh, yeah and like, and I, uh I think the I would, I, I think I was kind of hindering the other guy. <laughs> and he's and he's thinking like how with other masters, you know, he was also hindering them. But with the with the uh, Inchadi weapons master, it's like he goes left, she goes right, he goes up, she goes down. He's like, it doesn't matter what I do, she's got my back. Like, <laughs> it's because she knows what she's doing, and she knows you're a fool, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I, but no, the, those scenes, I, I thought that was one of the best lightsaber scenes as that played out. Like it was great. And then the I loved, way we go through the throwback to how it all played out was just brilliant. Well, I liked in that scene call back to the first book because they mentioned the curved light hand, light, lightsaber handle. Mm. And that was the entire, there was a whole thing about that in the first book where he, when he's learning about it, he's like, you'll have to hold the grip different and it'll give right. you a different attack. That comes back here. Like it didn't come yep. back. That was, this is the first time it comes back. And so I yeah, thought the that war master, was. Or the weapons master said it to Farfalla and like yeah. he, he, he broke it down all in a second. Yeah, and I thought that was super cool. I'm like, oh, so everything from the previous book, like play it uh, um, plays out here, where he's like, oh, you need to take it into effect that his angle of attack is going to be different because he's holding his lightsaber different. Right, and even then he was like, had he not got that little bit of information, he would have probably been cleaved in two. Like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's just it. Bane was like going toe-to-toe, -to -toe. and yet in the end... Once the Jedi knocked their own weapons uh, battle meditation guy out, Zana does the most damage. I mean, she takes Sorrow out. She goes over to the weapons master, and I love the way she did her in, man. Like, he's, she's looking at Bane, and, like, the lightsaber comes through her belly button and then cleaves her in half. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I I did like that fight. That was one of those. I thought... With how important Farfalla was, I felt kind of let down Dude, that uh, we kind of got his death through somebody else's perspective. I'm so glad you said that because I was in the same boat. Like, dude, that was so anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, it was like he was like of everybody else that was there. Makes sense because we kind of don't know them. Johan is the only one that we kind of got. Uh, he's been around for a while, but Farfalla is back from the comic series. Like this is mm -hmm. like one of our main characters here, and 
he just kind of dies, not off screen, but like with everybody's perspective being jumped around, it's kind of, you're right, anticlimactic. I, I want to say it was, wasn't it the weapons master? It was one of the Jedi's watching. I, or was it Zana? It was, it was, I think it was one of the two girls was watching as Bane just casually popped his head right off. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then you're thinking, you know, Yohan might make it, but no, at the end of the chapter, you know, she ends up uh, taking him out too. And you're like, okay, you know, how, how is this going to play out? Well, that's when she decides to go back to Ambria, uh, seek out Caleb. And that was where my mind was blown because the only way that Caleb was going to allow her to let him be manipulated in a sense into helping Bane was through a set of obligations that Daravit convinced him to do, which was that they were going to send a drone to the Jedi Temple saying, hey, you know, the Dark Lord lived, the Dark Lord killed five Jedi on Rusan, or on uh, Titan, and uh, he's over here on Ambra. He's weak. Come and, come and get him. Well, and, you skipped the over the fact that he basically fried himself this is that's how he gets into this uh, position in the first place. Is that uh, oh, um, the right. Athorian? The uh, he was gonna electrocute uh, the mm. Athorian, and he the Athorian trapped him in a a force bubble, and he ended up frying his own um, yeah not Vondam crab armor. Uh, it was it was Yoan. He was because Yoan was running, and oh, he was gonna blast Yoan in the back. And because I'm glad you brought this up, because this is one of the biggest points that I had with my wife. Okay, when this scene happened, it was so beautiful that I was immediately like, "This is how Palpatine should have died the second time." <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, it's a classic trope that we have seen. I want to say Dark Empire, uh, uh, Empire's End. We see to a similar degree something like that with uh, uh, the the Jedi that floats around uh, Brand. He he does that with Palpatine's spirit. But what the Athorian does is right before Bane releases the lightning, he reaches out and and pulls a Koran Horn's grandpa maneuver where the last little bit of life he does, he channels the force and creates a force egg around Bane right as Bane unleashes it. And that Sith lightning is just bang, 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 bang. And he is just inside there just getting blasted by it. Like, And I just thought like that would have been such a cool way to see Palpatine go. If you're going to go by Sith lightning, like, come on, that is it. Like, <laughs> The big problem I have about this is that it's the general rule of science fiction that you cannot be hurt by your own powers <laughs> and the fact that he is not strong enough to withstand his own lightning i like oh. but i guess they kind of do explain that is the only way that the um orbalisks are um detached is through electricity and like oh okay i guess i guess we can kind of uh, uh play with that a little there <laughs> And and I like the way that you know it, it, the electricity didn't kill all of them, uh, but the ones that it killed were immediately killing Bane. So it was like you know he's got like five days to live, you know. But that and, was also set up at the beginning, um, right? Where it said if if these any of these were to die, you would die, right? And the way that it, it goes about it, when they finally heal him, they're talking about how uh, they meticulously would zap each orbalisk, take it off, put it in a liquid, zap that too. And the skin underneath it was chewed up except for the spots where the ones that had died were the ones that died. They were like putting out this like 
liquid bile that was uh digesting bane all the way you know to, down to bone like i thought that was kind of interesting like as they're taking him off you could see the ones that were dead and what the damage they had done to his body was you're like dude that's sick and and of course you know he is so vulnerable in that moment and then you know zana tells him like well this is this is what i had to agree to and and the jedi are on their way and you're just like what like you did it like i I, I really going into that thought like she was going to lie or something. No, leave it to a Sith to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and then hose you bad. Well, that's a, like, so, so jumping back a little, um, it kind of is a replay of earlier when she um, goes up. Oh, what? Hessen? Is that his name? Hetton. Yeah. Yeah. H- Hetton, who, um, who's a freaking tool. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, oh, you and I will take down your master. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but okay. And I, like, he was kind of one of those, you kind of sit back and scratch your head going, where's this going? And then, like, <laughs> right? and then like he shows up with all his assassins to attack Bane. And you're, you're still sitting back going, where's this going? <laughs> like, clearly... <laughs> this tool is not going to take down Bane. And so he gets taken down and then, um, that's like Bane kind of like flips out on Xana and she's like, no, 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 I did this on purpose. Like, like he's like, and what would have happened if he defeated me? Like, then you wouldn't have deserved to live. He's like, yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. 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 You and got he appreciates me. that point of view. <laughs> you well. got you got me. <laughs> well, that's like, and then we jump back to the end here. We're like, it's like you, you keep doing this. <laughs> like you keep trying to screw me over. Like the Jedi can't take me. I will not go. <laughs> right. And and that was the greatest moment too, is when, when he's sitting there going, you got to kill me now. Like he's like, kill me and run off. And she's like, well, there's nowhere to go. It's nothing but barren wasteland everywhere. Like I've got a plan. And you're like, how could this possibly? And I like the way that when it plays out at that moment, we switch to the Jedi's point of view. Um, we get a Jedi. I think it was like 14 of them and like six Padawans or eight Padawans. And most of them had served with Hoth and Farfalla. So, that, you know, it, they had a vested interest. Um, and we, you know, we see them, they go in and when you show up, like the brutality of the camp, uh, you know, it's, it's Caleb Kaleeb is literally, Kaleeb. you know, f- foot. Shin, He's all over camp. Kneecap. <laughs> yeah. Like, like literally thigh, uh, hip quarter of his chest, another quarter of his chest, arm here, hand there, like head upside. Yeah. I mean, they did a number on him. Um, and then we see the lightsabers of all the other Jedi that have fallen on Tython. And then, Boom, out comes Darvit, shrieking. He's got for Fala's lightsaber, and they make short work of him. And from that Jedi's point of view, everything clicks into place. You know, you've got, and they don't even, like, for the reader, even more clicks into place because we know Darvit was a Sith. We know Darvit was a Sith fighting on Rusan. So it's like, dude, she set him up so bad. And then at the very end in the epilogue, it goes back to her talking in, in her as she's talking to Bane about what she did. And like, she drove Darvit completely mad in that moment. And then she's hiding underneath. So Darvit takes the total fall. And so as far as the galaxy 
thinks, and this is the part that I always forget, because like I always think, you know, as far as the galaxy thought, every Jedi or every Sith died on Rasan. No. As far as the galaxy knows, every Sith but one died on Rasan, and that one died on Umbria. And I was like, dude, that is so cold. Like she she so earns her right as the apprentice in this book, man. It was just so expertly done. And it, it like I had said before, like this kind of felt like a part of an of overall story, but it does really tie up a lot of loose ends from the first book and from the beginning of this book very well. Like we Derivitz dealt with. He's the comic mm -hmm. series he's Farfalla's dealt with. Uh Johan from the first book's dealt with. Like now we just have Bane and Xana. And mm -hmm. we have the rule of two, and the rule of two says that your your number two takes out the number one, and that's literally the last thing that we have um kind of hanging over our heads. Right. And and that's and that's where I'm at going into this. It's like, okay, you know, this was so captivating. The way that this ended had such a great twist. I'm like, what comes next? And, and you're right. The only thing that we know is gonna happen is you're gonna have an eclipse here of Padawan or uh, apprentice passing master. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, like, where are we going from here? Like, are we going to get to see some of those machinations that, you know, Zana was talking about and stuff? Because we know that there's a lot of background criminal organizations that were set up and funded by the Sith. So like, I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll see that. Yeah. That's, I, I remember, I remember there was some question about the ending of the third book, which we'll get into when we get to the third book. Um, that uh, the author Drew uh, Carpishan had to clarify on his own website. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh, um, before we started uh, recording, you and I were talking about the ending of this book. We're like, I'm like, we only have a half hour left. How are they going to wrap this up? And I thought it would, the ending of this book was brilliant. It was so well laid out that it all made sense, but I didn't see it coming and I had read the book. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. That that was what I, I really I stopped in the last four chapters and I was telling my wife, I'm just like, I'm like, I know this ending and yet I do not remember any of it. And then it gets over and I'm like, oh my God, that was one of the best endings I have ever read. How did I not remember that ending? Like like the just shock and awe of it. Like and then the passage of time, I totally forgot. I don't know how. But damn, that was a good ending. I agree. All right, so with that, let's go into our follow-up. Should it be brought into canon? What would need to be changed to be adopted into canon? And what would you rate it? Um, so for me, should it be brought into canon? I'm going to say absolutely yes. Uh, with a character as profound as Bane and the, the you know, heart of the Sith with the rule of two, I think it's critical that we need to make this story come over. Um, bring it all over. What needs to be changed? Absolutely nothing. If anything, like I said at the beginning, shift it back in time. And I only say that just to give the authors more freedom to do what they want to do with the High Republic. Um, but I, I think, Jim, you'll point out, you probably don't even have to do that because of where it's already set. How would I rate it? I'm going to go with a strong nine on this one. Um, I, I, I felt like it started out maybe a little bit slow, not even that, because like it, it picks up right off the last book and the last event of Rasan, and then it kind of slows down for just a second, and then after that ten year gap, it's just 
burning, man. It is burning it to the end. And right there at the very end, it is like a photo finish of epicness. I'm like, holy crap, did you see that? Did you see it, Jim? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start off with my rating um, because I, I really enjoy this one. I think this one was better than the first book. I think it he solved a lot of the problems I had, um, especially having a primarily... Um, primarily female main character. He, as I mentioned before, he kind of did do the over-sexualization ish when he first started, but he fixed that real quick. And I, um, other than that, I, I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, the, the Jedi versus Sith aspect, um, the comic series, I feel like it plays into this book perfectly the way he kept, um, echoing back to the comic and um, using the comic as a um, story point that really informed this book. And so like we had said before, how you should read the comic, and it was a good counterpoint to Path of Destruction, it's a really good counterpoint to this book, too. Like, it, like this book was written with the um, assumption that you had read the comic almost, but you don't need to read the comic. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I think a nine is a, a perfect uh, rating on this. I, I like I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, can it be brought into canon? Should it be brought into canon? Yes, on both aspects. I think just as it is, drop it in. Nothing about this story needs to be changed. I think the placement wise, um, you're looking at uh, it's still at a thousand years before um, before a new hope. You're still like. 600 years before any of the high republic so it can it can get dropped in quite easily so that about wraps up this episode of star wars beyond the films we'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher as well as Spotify and even on iTunes. And as always, we encourage you to leave us a review on iTunes. You can be the first one in two years. Uh, <laughs> Nobody also... leaves reviews anymore. Leave a review. <laughs> Be a trendsetter. <laughs> you can find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SWB on Films, or just type in Stars Beyond the Films in the search bar. But no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It is the best way of interacting with us. It's our own Phoenix home, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have a comment about Star Wars or Legends, or if you just want to talk about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at SWBeyondFilms at StarWarsFanWorks.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you get a www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of Audible to see what they're all about. Our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore the Star Wars expanded universe or any other genre without being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That is still one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So once again, for Star Wars Beyond the Films, spend Mark Whistler. Whistler. Is Whistler doing anything? Because he doesn't come through with the mic on my end. Yeah, I see. What the heck, Whistler? 
You let me down, droid! No. He's not my normal whistler. Oh, oh well, so, uh, so that's why you, 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 that's, can't, uh, you, can't, you can't just go around switching droids out. I don't recall ever owning a droid. Oh, that's because I switched the batteries. He's upstairs. That sucker is quiet. <laughs> oh, and Jim. I'm, I'm here, too. And the Porgs. Saying I'm, thanks yeah, for listening. And Peter Porg. <laughs> <laughs> and may the Force be with you. Don't quote us the odds. That will get the third book done this quick. Right? Gotta love an unabridged audiobook. Come on, New Jedi Order Essential Edition. <laughs> oh, I, 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 can't, I can't wait till if they actually do the New Jedi Order. That would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's my that's my dream uh, redo right there. I'm still waiting for the audio version of I Jedi that's coming out in I think March. Oh, is oh, it? Because oh, I've been uh, I, I've been thinking that we should do the X Wing series at some point. Because that's all, I think that's all done, dude. Didn't they finish the race squadrons? Uh, uh, Starfighters of Adamar um, is the last one. I don't know. No, no, there's one after that. Mercy Kill the, comes after. Mercy it, Kill, but, yeah. But I, I think the Essential Collection is caught up to all of the original X-Wing and Wraith Squadron books. There might be one more Wraith Squadron that they haven't put out yet. But I want to say that they've redid all those. They might have. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I don't. I, I haven't followed those posts as uh, closely. 